It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The FT this week's government spending review could hit your pocket hard, but is there anything you can do about it? Some good news for homeowners looking to remortgage. We look at the best deals out there this week. And if you want to save more than £50,000 a year for retirement, we look at the best pension alternatives. All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Alice Ross, and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Lucy Warwick-Ching. Hello. Steve Lodge. Hello. Tanya Paley. Hi. And our special studio guest, Patrick Stevens, tax partner at Ernest & Young. Hello. So let's start with the money news. This week, Chancellor George Osborne announced details of the government's spending review, with cuts intended to save £81 billion and plug the budget deficit. Benefits will be slashed, while tax credits will also be harder to claim. The government also confirmed a crackdown on tax evasion and fraud, which could affect people with undisclosed funds overseas. Meanwhile, the state pension age will rise to 66 for everyone in 2020, six years earlier than had been planned. So, Patrick, who do we think will be hit hardest by these cuts? Well, certainly in terms of the cuts that we've just been told about, it's clearly going to be uh, lower-earning people. They're the ones who are getting tax credits, and uh, almost all of the benefits that we're referring to here are hitting at uh, lower earners. Mm. The way in which the government is pointing out that, uh, to some extent, this is progressive... Uh, is by referring back to the new 50% tax rate, because that's obviously going to be collecting money in from higher-earning people. And it's only by looking at that that you can say there is a fair spread across the population so that higher earners are contributing more. They have introduced some concessions for families on lower incomes. I think there's this rise in the child tax credit um, and pensioners have kept some of their universal benefits that we thought might be cut. So that's some good news, isn't it? It uh, certainly is. And the uh, child element of child tax credit has increased. Um, but I'm referring to overall the fact that most of the benefit cuts will be for lower earning people. Mm. Steve. Patrick, why? I mean, we, we were told by George Osborne that we all had to share in the pain. I didn't see much pain for pensioners there. In fact, it seems to be the usual sort of cynical political approach that doesn't bribe the pensioners, typically in this case, letting them keep what they've already got, but the rest of us are losing something. Why, why didn't he get rid of some of these silly benefits like TV licenses and bus passes that the middle classes 
wouldn't use anyway because they'd be driving. Well, in terms of pain for pensioners, or more to the point, prospective pensioners, mm, let's remember he yeah. is putting up the pension age, uh, or more to the point, bringing forward the time when we're all going to get uh, the pension at 66. But then you've got this America. anomaly that you've got 60-year-old women who are already getting the basic state pension, um, and you've got women in their early 50s who are now going to have to wait till 66 to get the state pension. So that's not paying for pensioners. Pensioners seem to have escaped, in my view. Uh, indeed. And you might think that uh, it's politically quite a difficult group of people to give too much pain to. Yeah. Well, let's just look at, at the higher earners again. So we know that um, the higher rate taxpayers are losing their child benefit. Um, that's probably the biggest hit for the higher earners. Is, are there any other kind of indirect ways that they might be impacted? Um, some people have been suggesting that sterling could stay weak, which could affect some people's um, investment portfolios. Investment portfolios, and to a certain extent, uh, depending on how you're being paid, uh, what currency are you being paid in, it can affect your income as well, depending on what sterling is doing at any given time. Uh, probably sterling being weak means that you're better off if you're being paid in a, another currency. I'm just saying that the strength of the currency can affect some people's income here. Just talking about the child benefit, do let's remember it's only being taken away where you've got someone in the family uh, who is earning at a higher or being taxed at higher tax rate. Uh, and if you've got two people in the family being taxed just below that, they're not having their child benefit taken from them. And on that, just briefly to finish with, um, are there any ways that people can get around some of these cuts, um, particularly the people you mentioned that might be just above the higher rate tax threshold? They will obviously be looking to see whether it is worth their while to, for example, make extra uh, pension contributions to bring them down so that they're not being taxed at 40% tax rate. We haven't seen the legislation yet, which tells us in detail when child benefit is being taken away. But that sort of planning is, will obviously be in the minds of some people who are just on the edge of a 40% tax rate. But it may or may not be possible, you're saying at the moment. We don't know for sure. We don't know. And people shouldn't automatically dash out and yeah. make extra contributions to do that because we haven't seen the legislation And, yet. of course, it's 2013, I think, yeah. isn't it, child tax mm. benefit cuts? So keep an eye on any further tax announcements in that area. Thank you very much for that, Patrick and Steve. And for more on the spending review and how to mitigate the impact, look out for the full analysis in this weekend's FT Money with the Weekend FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, the best alternatives to a pension. First, though, remortgaging your property. This week, lenders have been launching new deals that are looking attractive for existing borrowers. For people currently on their lender's standard variable rate, brokers say it makes sense to switch to one of these new deals, with one telling the Financial Times this week that anyone on any lender's standard variable rate can save money by remortgaging. So, Tanya, is this a no-brainer? Should everyone be remortgaging? I think it seems to be the case that um, most people can probably save money by um, remortgaging now because rates have kind of, and um, we've seen quite a fall in rates recently uh, in both fixed rates and variable rates. So I think mortgage brokers are saying this is kind of the perfect time if you want to either secure a, a low fixed rate, um, do it now. Um, variable rates, um, 
you know, it's still worthwhile for some people, I think. I think the general rule of thumb is the kind of, um, the higher rate you're paying on your SVR or, or on your mortgage deal um, versus kind of the lower LTV on, it's kind of more worthwhile for you to remortgage. Obviously, those with quite a small amount of equity um, in their home, there's not going to be as many of the most attractive deals available to you because lenders are still offering most sales for people with like sort of you know, 30% or more um, equity in their home. And how bad are the SVRs at the moment? Are they so high that it makes sense to get off them? Um, it varies really. I mean, we've got sort of Lloyds um, and Nationwide actually have a very the lowest um, standard variable rate at 2.5%. So for a lot of people on those um, kind of deals, I mean, it's worthwhile really looking at kind of the other deals in, in the market because and comparing kind of the costs of actually remortgaging because obviously you've got to bear in mind that quite a lot of you have to actually pay for fees and that sort of thing. Um, so for those um, customers, it's going to be sort of dependent on really whether you should remortgage or not because that's still a very, very attractive SVR to be on. Mm-hmm. But you've got a number of building societies who are charging as much as 6%. Um, so it does vary across the board and it's definitely well worthwhile um, looking at what other rates are available to you because we did actually have um, Barclays this month um, or this week actually launch a new deal which is kind of aimed at kind of tempting those customers that aren't sitting on their SVR to kind of like um, take up their new deal. Mm-hmm. And they're offering all these kind of attraction things like it's got no application free, the free legal work valuation as well as a £300 cashback. And um, it's got a rate of 2.68% for a lifetime tracker. So it's actually quite a good deal. Tanya, I've got a 2.79% lifetime tracker. Can I do better than that? Um, you can, there's other deals, but if you're on a lifetime tracker at that rate, I mean, obviously you'd have to then factor in the cost of remortgaging to a cheaper rate. That's what always catches me out, and I think what's, what will catch a lot of people out in London, mm-hmm. you know, that the, these lenders, they all say things like fees-free or, mm-hmm. or, or we'll do the legal work, but then they charge an absolute arm and a leg to do some sort of spurious drive-by valuation, which mm-hmm. just reduces the risk for them. Yeah. Just yeah. to come and check your house actually exists, which means, you know, you could be paying a £1,000 or more to get your house valued for the lender's benefits. No, that's true. It's a good point, and it's definitely worthwhile looking at those kind of extra costs um, that could appear um, to actually see whether it's worthwhile. I mean, I think for those people who are kind of on a variable rate of, say, sort of 3 4%, well, say probably more than 3.5%, it's probably definitely worthwhile. Um, and especially if you're looking at a fixed rate, because last week we saw um, five-year swap rates fall to like a new all-time low of like 2.02% or something, and they're still hovering around that rate. So right now you can get like kind of really low five-year fixes of about 3.69% if you look into remortgage. Obviously, again, you need to factor in the fees because I think um, there's a deal with um, ING and actually... Um, they're offering 3.69%, um, but it's got a quite a big fee um, attached to it. So that's the kind of thing that you have to, once again, factor in. It's definitely very important to do that. Okay, so keep an eye out for the best deals on the market. Um, thanks very much for that, Tanya. And for full details of the best rates, if you do want to remortgage, read Tanya's article in the FT Money section this weekend and on our website, ft.com forward slash money. Finally today, pension alternatives. Last week, the government announced restrictions on how much people can pay into their pension each year with tax relief. From next April, everyone will only be able to put £50,000 a year into their pension, down from the current annual allowance of 255000 High earners on over £130,000 a year have already faced restrictions on their pension arrangements for two years now, so they may be able to pay an extra next year, as the government is allowing the £50,000 allowance to be carried forward for three years. But once they've used this up, they will have to look at alternatives to pensions if they want to save more than £50,000 a year for their retirement.
Lucy, you've been looking into this this week. Where are the wealthiest expected to turn once they've used up their pension allowance? Well, advisors that I've been speaking to this week have been saying that they should start off by looking at whether they've used up their ISA allowance. That's kind of a no-brainer. You can put up to 10200 a year into an ISA. And if you actually put money into a self-select ISA, you can get a broad spread of investments. And if you pay that every single year, and also you're, if you're married, then your spouse also pays into that every year, then you can actually build up quite a good extra um, sort of pension pot or retirement savings. Obviously, the downside with that for high earners is that actually this annual allowance is quite low. Although not that many people were actually investing over the uh, £50,000 a year that you're now allowed to do. I think it was around 100,000 people were doing it. Those people that were able to do it before really do want to build up their um, retirement savings. Patrick, I saw you nodding there. Um, Is that something that you've been seeing with your clients? Uh, Well, it certainly is. Um, For those uh, top earners, they've also been looking at whether they should be putting money in through things like EFERBs. It's just that it's an alternative to the tax efficiency of a pension. Um, But, of course, the revenue last week also said that they were going to be looking at those and trying to take away the tax benefits of them. So all of that's on hold at the present time. But in terms of what sort of spread of investment that we were talking about just a moment ago, yes, it's all of those things. Uh, The trouble with various of the things like VCTs and such like that are talked about is that you, you are spreading your money into slightly riskier areas. So we shouldn't mix up the tax efficiency of how you hold your investments with the actual underlying nature of the investment itself. And of course, if you're looking for retirement uh, funds, you don't want to go too risky. That's an interesting point on VCTs, actually. Whenever I'm speaking with uh, Martin Churchill, who's the editor of the Tax Efficient Review, he always insists that VCTs aren't necessarily that risky. Um, If you can put your money into a mature portfolio that's paying you regular dividends, it's not that bad. Um, Lucy, what, what kind of tax benefits are you looking at with a VCT? Well, that's the thing. They do actually offer quite juicy tax breaks. So um, you can get up to about 30% income tax relief on contributions of around £200,000 a year. But then you do actually have to hold um, that for at least five years. And as Patrick was saying, you know, there are a lot of risks involved. You have to invest in small, unquoted companies. So they can obviously be quite high risk. And the management charges can also be quite high. Um, And I think there is also the downside that it may be quite hard to sell your Um, shares in the future unless the manager actually offers a buyback scheme or winds up the fund so if you need to get out of it earlier then um, you could end up um, being it it could end up costing you quite a lot. Steve? I was was just going to say Alice that that, I mean in this time of austerity as well we should I mean I absolutely agree with you on VCTs I think it's remarkable how many of them have not made any money which underlines the huge risks of investing and the enormous fees charged by some managers for what are piddling little funds very often. Um, so people shouldn't let the tax tail wag the investment dog and so on. But I mean, I think in this time of austerity, we should remember that the Chancellor has just been extremely generous by raising the ISA allowance. He's raised it by £480 a year, which is quite substantial. So it'll be 10680 from next April. Double that up if you've got a partner or possibly more than one partner. And um, before you're no, you've, um, you're, you're up to 20,000 plus uh, in that tax-free thing. And don't forget last week as well, or the week before, I wrote about those ISA millionaires, remember? So there are people who've built up million-pound tax-sheltered funds, or even 12 million pounds in a couple of cases. 
But again, I would say, remember, that's the tax wrapper. As a separate item, look at what the investment is underneath and see how risky that is. Presumably for your pension, you should be in pretty high-risk stuff, though, given that you are allowing it to grow for 30 or 40 years in terms of equities. Uh, certainly we want to be in the range of things that are going to grow for, we hope, are going to grow for that period of time. And so you've got to accept a certain amount of risk. Um, what I always urge people to do is to look at how much risk your advisor is actually putting you into, rather than just on the assumption that something is low, high, medium risk. You actually have to analyse quite a bit. It goes back to what you were saying about VCTs. You can, in fact, get a portfolio of VCTs, which has got a perfectly reasonable income and is is not too bad. But you've got to work out which ones you're going into. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I just want to say is that a few people I've spoken to this week have actually mentioned that people are getting a renewed interest into maximum investment plans. Now, these are things that were invested in um, years ago. They're very popular and they seem to be seeing a little bit of a comeback in that some providers are actually launching new ones. They're kind of a, a type of short-term endowment that seems to focus more on investment than life cover. But Basically, the advantage is that the returns are taxed at basic rate. So even if you're a high-rate taxpayer, um, these returns are taxed at basic rate. But it, it does mean that you actually have to hold them for kind of at least seven and a half years. So we may see more people um, offering these, and perhaps then the the kind of traditional higher upfront charges may start to come down on these. So various different options if you do want to save more than £50,000 a year into your pension. Thanks very much for that, Lucy, Patrick and Steve. And if you'd like to know more about pension alternatives, look out for Lucy's article in FT Money this weekend. But that's all for this week's FT Money show. Remember, you can get weekday news updates on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And you can read and comment on our latest blog posts at ft.com forward slash money matters. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Steve, Tanya, Lucy and our special guest, Patrick Stevens from Ernst & Young. Goodbye. goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.